Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast. It's a bit of an unusual one today. It's a little bit shorter than usual, and it's based on a chance encounter I had with Chanvap Fu, who is a Buddhist monastic from San Diego, and he studied under Thich Nhat Hanh. So it was a real honour that he would give up 20 minutes of his time to have a quick conversation. Now, I'm a little bit gutted because after we spoke and I pressed stop on the recorder, we carried on talking. We got into an area that I am super aware of. And it's this whole mindfulness explosion, this whole spirituality explosion that seems to be going on at the moment, seems to me in the West to be very much a white middle class thing. And I know from the benefits that I've got out of this mindfulness practice that have really turned my life around, me as someone who quite honestly faces fewer obstacles than a lot of people in society. I can see the benefits for people who are perhaps marginalised, who are perhaps less well off as being quite uh, significant. So there would be huge societal benefits, in my opinion, to spreading mindfulness and spirituality practice uh, to the margins of society, um, which isn't happening at the moment. Uh, so it's a really interesting conversation that we had, and I would be interested in hearing any of your thoughts about this. So if you have anything you'd like to add, drop me an email or comment or just get in touch somehow. I'm normally hanging around on Instagram somewhere. My email address is chris at chrisbrock.co.uk. Now we'll get straight into the uh, the chat I had with Chanvat Fu. And um, excuse the background noise, it wasn't really a quiet location, but I hope you uh, enjoy this one. It's a bit of a slow burner, but uh, I was very lucky to have been able to collar him for 20 minutes. Oh, and by the way, I've got, uh, got some theme music. So, Brother Fat Vu, yes. thank you so much for agreeing to have a very impromptu chat with me about no, no meditation. Problem. Like you say, you're in demand at the moment, so you're, you're over here for a retreat in Scotland. Here in, here in, 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 uh, in London. Uh, do, you, do you have a name? Like, uh, like Sunny London? Sunny London. Or the Big Smoke or something like yeah. that. Yeah. What do you call San Diego? Because that's where you're based. Um, you got the big apple, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think we have a, a specific name for San Diego. No. So it's, yeah. it's just kind of. Most cities don't. Only the ones that stand out, like a yeah. sore thumb. Yeah. Whether that's a good thing or a bad like thing. Like Los Angeles is the city of angels. Of course. Yeah. I can debate that. Yeah. But uh, there it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco, uh, city by the bay. Yeah. Born in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, Chi Town. The um, Windy City. The Windy City. Yeah. Um, not because of the wind off of the the Great Lakes, but named Windy City because of the politicians. Oh really? Yeah. Just all the talking and yeah. no action. Yeah. yeah. Big political town. I didn't know that. But but I yeah, but I grew up in, in the LA area. Okay, so you've you're a city boy, really. Yeah, I've always been comfortable around cities, so and I have to say, London is wonderful. Oh, fantastic! I, I find it easy to get around. Yeah, yeah, very comfortable in London. So, how then do you go from being a city boy, uh, someone who's comfortable around the kind of noise and the hustle and bustle and the chaos of a city, 
uh, into someone who now talks and practices calm and meditation and mindfulness and, and you're in a monastery as well how, how did that yeah. happen how did it leads me I, I, I mean you know how you go for being a creature of the city yeah to a monastery I, I have no idea so I have no idea just something you fell into or? yeah you know it, it, it I gotta tell you it's a boring story Oh, and nice. boring stories though sometimes. And, and most people's stories are kind of like that. There's yeah. no big yeah. event, you know, there's mm -hmm. no great vision of the Buddha while you're no. sleeping. <laughs> Avalokiteshvara doesn't come down from Tusita heaven. Yep. You know. it, it's just a matter of being exposed to the practice okay. as a lay person. So were you, were you overwhelmed or just struggling with your kind of state of mind or anything like that? Perhaps? When I took up the practice? Yeah. Mm, not so much. Uh, my mother had passed. We were fairly close. But um, I don't think that was really it. I no. think it was just, for some reason, I got the idea to start meditating. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I liked it. I, yeah. I like hearing about it. Mm. And I've touched... Uh, East Asian uh, or Asian uh, religion in, in school, you know, comparative religion, yeah. and I was felt rather affinitive, an affinity with uh, Taoism, this, this idea of emptiness, the Tao, yeah. that's not the Tao. Mm -hmm. And in Buddhism, in Mahayana, you have the Bodhisattva, that's not the, the true Bodhisattva is not the Bodhisattva, yeah. but the true Bodhisattva. So it was an idea of kind of just finding complete calm and stillness and emptiness and a kind of purity. Yeah, but I don't think it was that the, that idea was that developed. Okay. It seemed like, um, hey, yeah, let's try this out. Okay. It looks pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, and you, you do like it. Yeah. You, do, you do like it. And, and where it takes you and where it can take because I yeah. think we're all looking for some kind of transformation. Yeah. Of one way or another. Um, I my particular path. I grew up with an alcoholic father. Mm -hmm. So my childhood experiences were not the happy-go-lucky as most children have. And so that I had a lot of baggage for that. Yeah. And um, I think maybe on one level I was looking to deal with that. So were you kind of dealing with issues like guilt and carrying all these kind of unnecessary emotions with you? Yeah, into yeah because really in a lot of ways I felt like I was, um, and I wasn't all that in tune with it, but this, I, this experience of emotions taking over one's life yeah, yeah and absolutely. guiding one's person, one person's behavior and, and direction. So kind of the emotions were doing the driving? Yeah, I began to see that in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I began to see that in my life. Was it uh, something that offered a kind of relief from that straight away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was starting to meditate, which felt very good. Yeah, so it was just like a, taking a break yeah. from all the thoughts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, basic breath work yeah um, and then I went to 
a day of mindfulness with our teacher in, in San Diego, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Yep. And uh, he led a guided meditation. I mean, he's he's almost become a movement within himself. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's yeah. Like he's, you know, vastly popular. Now he, he's been for quite some time. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he led this guided meditation, but I, we were lying down on the benches, so yeah. it was like kind of like what we call a deep relaxation meditation. And boom, I just saw so clearly yeah. how much emotions have played in my life and that I was able to disconnect from that narrative. I've written a book about dealing with all these influences that are going on which aren't, aren't us, yeah. but you know, play a large part in controlling our behavior and causing us to yeah. do things that maybe aren't in our nature or aren't the, the true us. Yeah. And some people say to me, well, it's not always a good idea to suppress or step aside from enhanced um, em emotions, whether they're anger or sadness. Yeah. So how do you get the balance right? Okay. What you want to do is learn to let go. Okay. Because things come from grasping. Hmm. And as we come in contact with any given thing, the mind starts activating. So it's a kind of attachment to things that are hurting us. You're, you're more attached to, automatically attached to the things that arise in your mind. Okay. So you come in contact with something, something arises in the mind. Hmm. Um, and instead of letting that arise and abide and extinguish, letting it take its natural path, our internal mind, our, our mechanism in our mind, our habit energy, as we might call it, takes that and proliferates it, makes it a big thing. Yep. It creates a storyline. It, it brings in the, the ego-driven mind. Now to me, mine, I deserved a, he deserves retribution for hurting me. Yep. Um, and it so might be over the smallest thing. Could be, be the smallest thing. Just right. that this is how we get annoyed and this is how we get frustrated. And right. Yeah. So that the irritated. The yeah. So that just it just explodes and the mind just explodes in different memories that might not even be associated with that event. Uh, all types of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're constantly now under pressure and we've got stimuli coming at us left, right and centre. Right. We're kind of being overloaded and there are expectations, expectations that we put on ourselves. So this kind of self-awareness and understanding that this is the mechanism inside ourselves is kind of more vital than ever, ever, I guess. I would think so, yes. So if it's so, because it seems obvious to me, someone who's you know, I've not been, you, you said you've been meditating for 14 years, is that right? Well, I was meditating before I was a monastic, so I'd say yeah. closer to 20. 20 years. So I've been doing it for maybe a year, and I, I, the, the benefits are obvious to me. So why are our leaders not Buddhist monks? Because our population isn't. Okay. You know, quite often... <laughs> You're, you're asking me this question in a very interesting time in history. Well, of course, Especially yeah. American politics. Because I guess I, I'm frustrated with the way the world yeah, is. Yeah, well, get in line. Yeah. <laughs> um, I find it a fascinating time. Yeah. Um, we look towards the politicians and say, why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? Yeah. 
Well, you have to look, in Buddhism, you always have to look a little deeper than what's just what's on the surface. People voted these people in office. Yeah. Trump, for example, is in office because there was enough people who were like-minded mm-hmm. in society to get him voted yeah. in, into office. Okay. So when you look at the leaders, they represent in a lot of ways, in general, the situation in, in, in society. So in America, we went from the first black president, mm-hmm. Obama, yep. to Donald Trump. There's quite a disparity yeah. in these characters. That's where we're at in America. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the, the population, we're very divided on, yeah. on our, our basic identity of who we are. And we're, we're going through a sort of similar time in the UK. The right. It seems to swing wildly, doesn't it, from the left to the right and then back again, I'm sure. Right. Do you think it's almost like a metaphor for the uncontrolled mind? Oh, of course. The, the things in life are the manifestations of our mind. Yeah. You know, uh, poverty, um, corporate greed, uh, social injustice disregard for the environment the things we look at on the social level it's all mind yeah. it's just collective mind mm-hmm. and this is something that the, that the Buddha understood the connection between one's moral aptitude you might say one's moral bearing is not just about the individual but it's about society as well because morality and ethics in terms of Buddhism isn't so much about doing good things mm. as it is having a particular mind state, yeah. having a compassionate, insightful, um, clear, um, uh, and all these other good aspects. Yeah. That's a matter of mind state. And when we have that particular mind state and heart state, mm-hmm. can't leave out the heart, um, of course we're going to be doing good things for the environment. Of course we're going to be concerned about the environment and racial injustice. It's the, and it's the natural thing to do. It seems like the natural thing to do because yes. that's a one deep, very level. That's where we are actually are. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's our suffering our ignorance of our own greed, aversion, and hatred um, that we manifest um, that blind us from this truer self. Yeah. Yeah. So no one told tells you these things. Right? Um, and so society certainly doesn't, at least these days. Um, and sort of like my childhood and where I had to figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah. So no, there was no one teaching this. There was no one, well, not formally anyway. It was something right. you There's had to. supposed to be someone teaching this. But you have to seek, seek that out yourself. You seek that yeah. out. One thing I've noticed is you can change yourself, yeah. but you can't change anyone else unless they want to be changed. Correct. So how do you. How do you enable this to spread, this kind of way of seeing 
life and ourselves? One heart at a time. Okay. And it's frustrating. So it might take a thousand years. It might Maybe. take. It might take two thousand years. Might never happen. Might never happen. But the intent is the main. Then I, I, I think the Buddha said something very similar to Jesus. Like there will always be the suffering in the world. Yeah. Um, but that comes from attachment. For us, that comes from it. Well, attachment, misperception, mm -hmm. um, wrong views, yeah. um, ignorance yeah. of not knowing, um, and indifference. Yeah. Ignorance, delusion, very closely related to indifference. So indifference is an interesting one because it's it's very hard, especially in the Western world, mm. and especially in an environment like this where we're talking about mindfulness and the whole idea of you, you can't pour from an empty jug. So you have to look after yourself before you can look after anyone else. So you have to be capable of giving in order to give. That's a, again a tightrope between indifference and caring and uh. selfishness. It, it could be, um, it could just be a matter of one's capacity in terms of helping other people. Yeah. I mean, I, I've met a number of practitioners who are just like starting out. And, and you know, they all, they all admit you know, their, their capacity to hold suffering, other people's suffering. Because this is what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. The capacity to to hold other people's suffering, society's suffering. And that gets to be quite personal and, and quite painful. And, and people have trouble processing their own stuff. Yeah. A lot, I mean, we're not trained or taught to no. how to handle our own stuff. Only if you have an enlightened parent. And there are enlightened people out there. So they, they have to learn how to handle all the suffering. Yep. Yeah, when I first became a monastic uh, as a novice, um, I wanted to help everybody. Mm. And after two weeks, yeah. I couldn't take it anymore. You know. And again, that's all about letting go. You have to kind of you have to look at your limitation, but you can also that you shouldn't should not be afraid to step out of the comfortability zone. Yeah. Some people have a difficulty with that. Oh, I'm, I'm not ready, I can't do that. And, and in a lot of ways, they're afraid to take a couple steps outside their comfort zone. So again, another yeah. double-edged sword, you know, living on the ridge yeah. of the middle way. Um, you know, now I've, I'm dealing with all sorts of issues. Yeah. You know. Do you find your practice over the years has enabled or grown your capacity to deal with those issues? Oh heck yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And almost that's the point, I guess. That's for me. Yeah, that's a, that's the point. So in uh, a way, you're uh, training yourself to help help the world. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to this basic sense of ethics and morality that we have in wanting to help people. Yeah. I think most people want to help people. Mm. They just don't know how or they don't know how to process what it takes to do that. Yeah. Or potentially they're, they're so weighed down by their own 
thoughts, confusion, hardships. Right, by their own their own suffering. Yeah. That is plagued plagued them from childhood or yeah. even before that. So this is why it's so important in the West to adopt mindfulness practices and meditation and to calm all of this down to give us to find yeah the whole the whole point of the mindfulness practice is not just to feel good it's to develop insight yeah. and a bit of uh, a bit of wisdom mm. through that calmness yeah so now instead of my mind injecting views judgments into any given thing with the practice we can look at things a little more directly yeah. as they are and not how I project them to be or how I want them to be or mm -hmm. expectate, expecting them to be. So you can remove all those pressures and that ego that and ego, just see things as they are. Bring the ego down a notch there mm -hmm. to see things a little more clearly about oneself mm -hmm. and the world around them. So you're able to recognize the, the processes inside you and also see more clearly what's going on around you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you don't always get it right. That's yeah. why it's practice. Yeah. And even after these years of being a monastic, I still feel like a beginner, yeah. which it's kind of seems a little depressing in one way. But I guess it's what it's but about. But on the other way, it's quite refreshing. Yeah, because there's always, because I suppose if you've learned everything, you think, well, now what? Really? Yeah. Now what? Yeah. Now I'm I know. there. Huh. Yeah. Um, now what? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. If um, anyone hears this and they want to find out how they can develop their own practice, how would they go about doing that? What's a good starting point? Uh, well, if they want to really dig into mindfulness, um, I would suggest going to the Plum Village online monastery because okay. it has a lot of documents, it has Dharma talks, uh, links to here and there. So the uh, online monastery, Plum Village online monastery. Perfect. And you can go to plumvillage.org, I think it is, and you can click onto that. That's brilliant. And, and it, it's, I, I, I really like the way psychology is picking up mindfulness, um, but it's a very narrow bandwidth yeah. of, of mindfulness. And, and for us, uh, mindfulness is sort of this holistic yeah. aspect of life. And the universe and, and the universe everything. And all yeah. that other good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Because we're all connected one way or yeah. another. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You're um, welcome. Thank you for your time. It's nice meeting you. Thank you.